You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Anthony Cazenza and John Sheeran with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We are so happy to have you with us once again this week. And we are happy because we're talking about a 1-0 start and not an 0-1 start as... Uh, that game kind of got off to a little bit of a rough start. And, uh, yeah, but, hey, they're 1-0, and they've got a big game this week on Thursday night on a short week. And uh, I know we're hustling and bustling. John, how are you, sir? I know you, you've been putting in a lot of work on the, uh, the CincyJungle.com website, and uh, we, as we all have. and um, But we're all trying to also celebrate a pretty big win, right? Oh, for sure. The scheduling office kind of screwed us two two years in a row with these, <laughs> these week two Thursday night games. So a lot, lot of lot of stuff going in and out in the beginning of the year, but it, it's exciting. It's more football in, in the span of four days, so it's, it's always good. Yep, and this this one's going to be special. We'll talk about that in just a, just a little bit about the Bengals uh, taking on the Ravens and and helping us to preview the game. We hope is uh, Bill Laricos from. Uh, Baltimore beatdown, SB Nation's Baltimore Ravens site. Uh, he should be joining us here pretty shortly, so uh, we'll, we'll help preview that game. Obviously, the Baltimore Ravens looked incredibly impressive uh, in their in their first game of the season, absolutely dominating the Buffalo Bills. And I believe now we have our, uh, our, our guest. Bill, are you there? I'm here. How are we doing? Good. How are you, sir? Doing well. Good. Looking forward to the game. Yeah, absolutely. We, were, we we actually just kicked off the show, so um, perfect timing on on your part there. Glad you were able to make uh, make some time for us tonight. Um, we were just literally the the last sentence that came out of my mouth was how dominating the Buffalo Bills uh, the, the the win over the Buffalo Bills was for the Baltimore Ravens in Week One. I guess what I want to ask you is because Bengals fans in preseason Week Three, we got a a, a decent look in that dress rehearsal dress rehearsal at the bills. We saw that that is probably going to be a team that's going to struggle throughout the year, but how much of this was an absolutely dominating performance from the Baltimore Ravens? How much of it was the bills just aren't that great. And how much of it is week one's just a wild card in general. Um, Teams just kind of sometimes don't find their groove until a little bit into the year. I expected a double digit win. I would, wouldn't expect uh, 47 to three, but the Bills are not a great team, as we know, and uh, I did expect the Ravens to show well. All the signs in the preseason and in practice were pointing to an improved team. Very – and, you know, Joe Flacco's taken a lot of heat over the past year or so. Um, some of it warranted, some of it not. Uh, he did have kind of a little bit of a down statistical year last year, but he looked pretty dang good in the opener here against the Bills. He hit, I think, a, a nine or ten different receivers, and three of them were tight ends. Obviously, he's got the new wide receiver weapons. 
How big of a difference are those positions this year, and how big of an upgrade are those compared to maybe 2016, 2017? Uh, it's certainly an upgrade. Mike Wallace had a good year for the Ravens last year, but uh, Jeremy Macklin was a major disappointment. John John Brown, his nickname Smokey Brown, is a, is a playmaker that they've been looking for. Tight ends are pretty much the same group right now because the first-round rookie, Hayden Hurst, is currently injured. But, uh, but they definitely added some weapons, and most importantly, Flacco is healthy. He suffered a back injury before the season last year, and it hindered him all year. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, Flacco's durability issues and you know his general inconsistencies, even though he looked really good. They have Lamar Jackson at backup. He got into the game because it was a blowout. Um, do you expect um, in, in maybe some of these scenarios going forward, maybe – you know, you guys are up really late in the game that Jackson gets reps, or do you also expect that there's going to be an increase in packaging plays against a team like Cincinnati who maybe struggles with speed out of the backfield? I think we're going to see Lamar Jackson in packages right away. He actually saw maybe five or six snaps on the first few series before the Ravens had the game in hand, and they weren't particularly effective, but just giving that little eye candy to the defense, something else to distract them, something else to make them concerned about, I think is beneficial for the for the offense. Talking to Bill Lericos of Baltimore Beatdown, the SB Nation, Baltimore Ravens site. Uh, happy to have him with us to preview the big, big week two Thursday night football matchup. Uh, Ravens coming into Cincinnati, their home opener, and uh, both teams are 1-0, and both teams had, had pretty nice wins this first week of the season. Bill, what, what does the Baltimore Raven either fan base or those that cover the team – What's their view of the Bengals both, I guess, right now? Because, number one, we all know that the Bengals broke their broke the Ravens' hearts in Week 17 last year. Uh, you know, it seemed like a, a gimme game for the Ravens to get into the playoffs. That didn't happen. Um, and then now the Bengals made a lot of offseason adjustments, as did the Ravens. Both teams are 1-0. Cincinnati recently, I did, I did a little research, Cincinnati – uh, basically since that last, if you remember, Bill, uh, there was a Monday night football game in 2012 where the Ravens absolutely dominated the Bengals. Since that game, Cincinnati is eight and three against Baltimore. So is this, is this a team that is starting to be kind of, I don't want to say feared necessarily by the fan base, but what are, what are kind of the thoughts of the Bengals of late, uh, amongst the Ravens faithful? Opinions are definitely mixed. Some do not take the Bengals, perhaps as seriously as they should. I personally do fear the Bengals. They've definitely given Flacco the most trouble out of any team in the entire league throughout his career. He actually has a negative touchdown-interception ratio. He fares much better against Pittsburgh, New England, some of the other heavyweights. When you look at the, the excuse me, the Bengals roster, you have a lot of playmakers, playmakers at receiver, an upgraded offensive line, and then on defense, that defensive line is is very strong. I think that's a matchup that that concerns me, frankly, tomorrow night. Um, so I am not taking the Bengals lightly, and I can guarantee you that uh, the team, the Ravens, are not either. Yeah, you mentioned the Bengals defensive line against the Ravens offensive line. My biggest fear is the Ravens defensive line against the Bengals offensive line because there's a lot of question marks on the Bengals offensive line. And consistently, the Ravens' defensive line has given the Bengals' offensive line troubles in the past. Bengals fans typically associate the Ravens uh, with defense, but I feel like there, there's been some, a little bit of turnover in terms of personnel on that defense in recent years. Who are, who are a couple of guys that maybe Bengals fans aren't too aware of that they should be worried about going up against 
what we hope is an improved Bengals offense, but against what is still known as a very solid Ravens defense. Sure. A couple guys, um, they, they returned basically their entire defense from last year, and the meaningful addition is the slot cornerback Tavon Young, who was hurt towards ACL before the season last year. He uh, had two sacks last week. He's a strong cover man. I think he's going to do much better in Boyd than the Ravens were able to last year. Couple other young up and coming guys. Uh, Matt Judon is an outside linebacker. He's probably going to be going against your uh, right tackle, Bobby Hart. He had, I believe, eight sacks last year. Another edge rusher, Tim Williams out of Alabama. Didn't do a whole lot his first year last year, but he had a fantastic preseason. Brings a lot of speed. And then the other rookie, uh, or excuse me, second year player is Marlon Humphrey, the cornerback. He's really coming on in a big way. And I think most Ravens fans are hoping he'll be able to, you know, do a pretty good job on AJ Green while Jimmy Smith, our top corner, suspended. I want to ask you, Bill, about a specific player, and it may seem random, but I live on the West Coast, and uh, this guy I thought was a very good football player. He now appears to be, I, I think, on on the Baltimore Ravens practice squad, but Nico Siragusa. Uh, offensive lineman. He went, he went to San Diego State. I thought a very promising prospect. He was hurt, um, and, and I think that's probably playing into the situation here. But does he have a long-term future, you think, with Baltimore? Or is he um, – or am I, am I completely off base and he's not on your practice squad? <laughs> no, no, he's on the practice squad. Okay, and all right. He, he was one of the final cuts. Um, so last preseason, as you're – as I'm talking here, you know, we're remembering how many injuries the Ravens had. He tore three of the four nigga, excuse me, ligaments in his knee all at the same time, which is a very hard injury to come back from. He actually looked okay in the preseason, but he didn't quite have that stamina, and they decided to keep the uh, backup offensive lineman, two or three of them that had a little bit more positional versatility because he's mostly a guard. But uh, I think the Ravens are hoping with another few months to recover that he can become a player for them down the road or perhaps be promoted some point later in the season when they need some depth. So what I found interesting last week is that you guys drafted Hayden Hurst in the first round, and you still had three tight ends who had, I believe, over 30 yards receiving against the Bills. It was what uh, Mark Andrews, uh, Nick Doyle, and Max Williams, I believe. Who are? Did you see like one of those guys when Hurst is out – establishing himself as the main guy in terms of target share and who do you who do you think is most likely to have a better game against the Bengals uh, on tomorrow night Thursday night um, I think Nick Boyle is probably the best of the bunch right now but I think they're going to need him to help chip uh, on that right side James Hurst the right tackles uh, he leaves a lot to be desired so considering that I think Mark Andrews is probably has the best chance to break out a little bit. He's a rookie, still learning, but he did make a couple of nice grabs in traffic last week. Uh, so I think he's probably the best the best bet. Talking with Bill Laricos, uh, SB Nation. SB Nation's Baltimore beat down the Ravens website uh, through the network there. Um, Bill, I mean, if you talk tight end, so obviously if, if you saw anything or read any of the stat lines from the Bengals game against the Colts, you would know that that was a major issue for their defense this year. This, this, well, it's been years, but this last week um, was, it was a major issue. What are, what are a couple of keys that you see uh, the couple of biggest keys to a Ravens victory on Thursday night uh, as, as these teams square off? 
Number one, it starts up front, no question. They're going to have to block that defensive line. The Ravens uh, have James Hurst at right tackle. Somewhat surprisingly that the Ravens gave him the starting spot over rookie third-round pick Orlando Brown, who was great in the preseason. And Hurst, uh, he had a tough game against Buffalo. He really has not played well most of his career, to be honest. And we're also breaking in a new center, Matt Skura, formerly undrafted rookie free agent. Uh, and Geno Atkins, I mean, Marshall Yonda is one of the best in the league as a guard, and Geno still gets him on occasion. You know, two All-Pros going head-to-head there. And then even some of the younger defensive ends, uh, Willis and Lawson, I think they have some potential to do some damage. So that's the first key. Second key for me is going to be coverage of the Bengals' targets, and in particular, Tyler Eifert. The Ravens have had massive issues covering tight ends in the past. I think – the new defensive coordinator is going to stack the box, do whatever he can to take away, mix in on the ground. Don't be surprised to see seven, eight, nine guys on the line uh, and some of that kind of organized chaos, predator-style look. And I think uh, Eifert is going to be the outlet valve. And Tony Jefferson, the strong safety, and Eric Weddle, they're not great covering tight ends. And then I think the last is going to be turnovers. Uh, you know, it, what is 75, 80% of the time the team that wins a turnover battle wins the game. Joe Flacco, as we said, has had a lot of trouble protecting the ball against the Bengals. So those are probably the three keys off the top of my head. Awesome, Bill. And uh, before we get you out of here, your prediction on the Thursday night football game and your prediction on how the rest of the Ravens season maybe plays out, especially given now that you've you've seen them play a for real game in week one. If you want to call it that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I you know this game could go either way. Closely matched teams. I have to give the edge to the Bengals on a short week on the road. Twenty three twenty, Cincinnati. I'll go with. Uh, as far as the regular season, I think the Ravens are going to be somewhere between eight and ten wins. Um, so I think it's kind of where they are. They could you know grab a wild card. Who knows? Maybe they win this game. They win the division. Pittsburgh's not looking too great right now, uh, so we'll see. But I think they're right there where they always are, very competitive, fighting into the last couple weeks. Yeah. I uh, First of all, we can all enjoy the Steelers' tears, I think. Uh, I, think, I, think I think everybody <laughs> can enjoy that. Um, secondly, even though you know the Bengals and Ravens are bitter rivals, personally speaking, I have a, a, an immense amount of respect for for John Harbaugh. I, I think he's a he's a fantastic coach, and uh, he always has his team right in the mix towards the end. I think I think most fans would agree with your take in terms of the score. Either way, I think it's going to be probably pretty close, except for the fact that my God, those Bengals just do not show up in prime time very often. So hopefully. Uh, for, at least from a watchability standpoint, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have that to look forward to. But how can they find your stuff, Bill? Um, find you on social media, all that stuff. Absolutely. Baltimore Beatdown is a website. I go by Vasily, my uh, my full name. Last name is pronounced Larikos. And uh, we have all kinds of content for you. At The Twitter handle is at Be More Beatdown. And we also uh, put out our own podcast, Raven Centric twice a week with my co-host Logan Levy. It's called Take It to the Bank. Yep, we know Logan well. He's been on this program before too, so great guy. Tell him hello. And uh, Bill, thanks so much for for coming on. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the Thursday night football game tomorrow night. I think it it, it should be a fun one. Uh, May may not be the prettiest of games, but should be close. And um, an AFC North slobber knocker, right? 
No, no doubt. My pleasure, guys. Take All care. Right. Lots of luck with the new venture. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care. That was Bill Laricos. I, I kind of mispronounced his last name there. I apologize, Bill. But uh, great guest and uh, helping us preview the, the big upcoming game against the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a bit of a a slugfest, I think, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about our takes on the on the Ravens game towards the end of the program because we want to kind of get now to uh, we want to get now to the the Bengals win against the Colts. Actually, you know what? Let's back up a second. Let's back up. All the way back. Yeah, all the way back. All the way back. No. Uh, we have been um, – there's been a number of different big announcements on this program over the past couple of weeks, maybe month, uh, some of which have been in the form of great guests, Bill Laricos being one, a couple of Bengals greats, Anthony Munoz, Willie Anderson being others. Um, but we now have uh, a little bit – more news and it really shouldn't affect our listeners too much i don't think at all uh it's still a little new to to john and i in terms of logistics but this podcast has been officially picked up by the sb nation national network of podcasts and uh we kind of hinted at it last week that that was maybe something that, that we were looking at doing but uh it helps us expand our growth that helps us uh you know get potentially more listeners into the program get you the listeners, more guests, different guests, um, and and higher quality. I you know I know. Uh, luckily, we've cleaned up a lot of the the sound issues in in the past couple of weeks, but that's been a couple of times that's been an issue. So um, we want to make sure we give you the most high quality program. We think that the support, the official support of SB Nation behind this as a national, you know, Vox Media's SB Nation behind this podcast will make it a great one. And, uh, you know, we hope to continue to bring you good stuff. And I'm very pleased that my co-host John Sheeran is officially on board to continue this show. So John, your, your thoughts on the new venture here. It's a little, you know, we're kind of dipping our toes in the water. It's a little, it's a little nerve wracking, but I think it's, I think it's overall definitely for the best. Right. And this doesn't happen without, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people listening every week and supporting us and giving us good thoughts and participating on the show. I think that's what makes the show great is that we have listeners who are engaging in the conversation. And I think some of our best content, at least since I've been on here, is just interacting with those listeners and creating good discourse about the team that we all follow. So as long as we have that continued support, we should be good to go. And we hope that we can uh, continue to earn your support going forward. And while we while we try to make this a lot better going forward yeah absolutely echo those sentiments and um you know this this is a listener driven show i mean we we go we come on here and we we talk about things and we give our opinion and analysis but we really try and get the the opinions and and the questions from our listeners and i i will say this not only the listeners of this show and the readers of cincy jungle many of are both um Bengals fans are very very well educated in football and very they're very passionate and they can sometimes be a little knee-jerk reactionist myself included <laughs> but they are some of the more well-educated at least from my opinion uh more well-educated fan bases they 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 know a bit more of the x's and o's than uh the casual nfl fan and uh i think we appreciate that and we appreciate 
the support of uh, many of you who have been listening to this show, either from day one or recently, whatever whatever the case may be. Maybe you just stumbled upon it because SB Nation put out a um, an announcement on Wednesday uh, about this. So um, we're excited about it. The, sh- the format of the show really won't change. Um, the you know, we're still going to be talking or we'll be talking bangles. We'll be doing all that stuff. Nothing. It's just, it, it, it's going to be available on more, on more platforms. And I think we're going to get a little bit more accessibility to, to higher profile guests and whatnot, which is, um, which is a plus for us in the program. And uh, obviously I'm stoked that uh, John's on board. We will probably still be having our old co-host from time to time. Scott Schultz, he probably will still be uh, popping in and checking in with us here and there. Um, so we're, you know, still, still similar show, same show, just a uh, little, you know, new platform and all that kind of stuff. So you can still get this show on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Um, we're on Stitcher, the Google Play app, all that, all that good stuff. And that's going to continue. There's also um, a new platform called Art19, A-R-T-19, um, where our uh, stuff will also be housed. And I believe that's going to be accessible through uh, for our listeners as well. So um, just another additional platform for, for folks to, to get this program. But we thank you for your support. This program would not be growing without talent like John and Scott and uh, other great guests we've had on this program, as well as uh, the, the great amount of listeners that we have. And obviously now, what's what's kind of cool for us is we've seen a, an increase in downloads and all that kind of stuff because the team is doing better and because excitement was high this preseason and this offseason. So um, we're reaping the benefits a little bit, which we're stoked about. But we, we appreciate all of your support. And we wanted to make that announcement official since it literally came out today, being Wednesday. Uh, that's when we usually record. So, um, yeah, anyway, good stuff. And uh, appreciate the support. Can't thank you enough, John. Let's let's now again rewind. We'll rewind it again a little bit, um, just because uh, for Bill's availability, we had to start off with previewing the Ravens game, which was awesome. Uh, he 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 brought the knowledge. I love it, and uh, he's a pretty realistic Ravens fan. I, I like that. Um, but let's let's backtrack to Week One. Okay, and I guess we could start big picture and narrow it down a little bit. Big picture question that I want to start off with for you, and again, it's it's kind of one we've done we we've asked before in the preseason and all of that. But what do you what do you make of the win here? Because at one, I mean, Andy Dalton's first pass attempt. Good lord! I mean, <laughs> I mean that was just I, I was honestly like really. Really, and and we'll talk more about the offensive line. Billy Price was involved in in that play, and there's some conflicting things about that. But they start off that way, then they come right back and get the interception on Andrew Luck's true for well, I mean, his first statistical pass, his other pass was batted away, and then there's a penalty, all that kind of stuff. So then they get the ball back, they move down the field, then you're going okay. Then there's all this, a little bit of back and forth, and all of a sudden then the Bengals are looking at a 13-point second-half deficit. And you're going, what what has happened to this team? What What's going on? And then a flurry of big plays occur, uh, touchdown, touchdown to A.J. Green, um, big, big plays from Joe Mixon, and then he capped it off with a one-yard touchdown run, and then, of course, the, the Clayton Fedulum uh, strip recovery and, and touch. So is this – 
what do you make of this win? Is this, hey, way to show fortitude, way to come back. This team has a lot of talent, especially, you know, at those at those skill positions on offense to be able to come back from any deficit. Or is this, hey, we don't even really know who the Colts are at this point. Andrew Luck hasn't played football in a year. Let's pump let's pump the brakes on the optimism. Or is it a little bit of both? I, I mean, I don't know. Eleven point victory on the road, week one, shouldn't really be overshadowed and diminished for what it is. And I think we have to give the team credit for that in big picture wise, because thirty-four points on the road in a venue that they haven't won since I was one years old. Oh my god. Is, is actually insane to me. So from that standpoint, yeah, big picture, it was a good win. Obviously, there's not it's not hundred percent positive. There's still glaring issues on this team. And I think that we saw an offense that looks exactly like what it is. And it's an extremely talented one with one or two glaring weaknesses that have the potential of drastically diminishing their performance overall. Luckily it didn't happen because the Colts defense isn't that good. And the, the biggest thing I think is that, you know, Bengals fans know that the Bengals talent has never been an issue in terms of winning football games. It's usually just been mental fortitude, coaching, Mm -hmm. lack of second half adjustments, but this was just a game where we saw the more talented team have that see that talent take over when it meant the most, and that was converting third downs. It was stopping Andrew Luck on a, a legal sack after an, an unfortunate penalty. Um, it was A.J. Green overcoming his mistakes uh, late in the game. It was Joe Mixon continuing all throughout the game to look like a first-round pick that he probably should have been without off-field issues aside. And it was it was just, you know, it was Clayton Fedulum stepping up and – Sean Williams's absence when he got ejected and making the play of the game. It was all these things that, you know, we don't usually see the Bengals typically do. We kind of see that talent overshadowed by a, a lot of, you know, mental mistakes that end up m- making them lose. And that was just not the case. And on the road week one, I think they, we have to give credit where credit's due. I, I agree with you. And I, I do waver on this a bit. Okay. Because I, I look at it and I go, okay, vast, vast improvement from the run game and Joe Mixon from last year. Yes, Joe Mixon had, I think, one or two 100-yard rushing games last year, but took took far more attempts, and he was just consistently getting yards, just, yep. just far more consistent. I thought Cordy Glenn, and we'll talk more about that, about the offensive lineman and defensive lineman, uh, the weekly lineman with John Sheeran in a little bit. Uh, I thought Cordy Glenn played very well. Um, I, I like the fact that – and I and the positive side is you look at you know I was looking at last year's schedule and results. They had four of their losses, four of their their nine losses were were of one possession or you know minimal points, right? Yeah. And in at least three of those and in those games I'm talking about Titans, Steelers, um, uh, gosh, uh, I'm blanking now, but. Uh, Packers and and yep. Texans, Packers yep. and Texans. Okay, those are all one possession losses that they suffered last year. They had uh, oftentimes in those games, especially Pittsburgh and Green Bay, they had big leads and let them go. Mm-hmm. This time they fell behind and clawed all the way back and and got in. And that that to me is a very big switch of mentality that I like to see. And I I saw a lot of even though they were down. I saw a lot of high effort plays and I think none more maybe than a couple from Tyler Boyd uh, jumping on yet another AJ green fumble late in the game. Mm-hmm. 
Um, extending a play with A.J. Green to convert a huge third down later in the game. Um, and those are things that go overlooked, but you, but you see it and you go, okay, those are high-effort plays. And, and in those games, especially the ones where the Bengals got blown out last year, you didn't see that kind of stuff. You saw right. a lot. Of, you saw a lot of guys that that hung their heads and all that kind of stuff. Now, where I waver on the other side is theoretically the Bengals had a four point lead, I believe, you know, late in the game, and Luck is driving. They're driving, and even up to the point of the Doyle fumble, it was a third and fifteen. And if he doesn't fumble that ball, he's got a first down. Mm-hmm. He's right there. They yep. let it. They let it happen again. That's a little worrisome because then that turns into, I think he had 40 seconds, 30 seconds, something like that to try and get into the end zone. Now we know getting into the end zone in shortened areas of the field is, you know, it can, it can be difficult, but I think, I think a little bit, you know, you say an 11 point win on the road. Yeah. On paper, that looks great. But this game was a lot closer no than, doubt. than the score. And, and that's what makes me a little bit hesitant and, you know, we don't know how good the Colts are going to be. What we, I mentioned it earlier with Bill, week one's kind of a wild card in terms of what you – I mean, by the way, if any if anybody is in a survivor pool and you pick the New Orleans Saints like this idiot right here did, <laughs> um, you know, that, that'll, that'll tell you a lot about week one. But I don't know. Am I, am I just overreacting? Have I been a fan too long? Have I watched too much Bengals football and I'm being hypercritical or is that something where you go, I don't know. No, not, uh, not, not at all. Not at all. Because those losses last year, as you mentioned, the Packers and Seahawks specifically, they had leads, but the NFL is such a quarterback driven league. And in those two games, the Bengals obviously had the lesser quarterback in facing Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger. That was the same case on week one. Andrew Luck, you know, even if he hasn't played football in a while, is a more talented quarterback than Andy Dalton. And Andrew Luck's playing at home. He's playing, you know, you know, with a lead. It's, it, it's a situation that definitely favored the Colts. And yeah, you have to give credit to the Bengals for coming back and doing something that they don't normally do. And that's be a team with a better quarterback. But again, yeah, 11 points, seven of those came on the final seconds off, off of a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Um, I, I don't know if the, if the Colts get in the end zone there because the Bengals defense is so predicated off of bending and not breaking. And typically some of those drives end in field goals. But yeah, I, if you have reservations about this win, I totally understand because I'm still on the fence about whether this team has truly changed. This is just a good step forward in the right direction, but there's still plenty of more tests that they have to they have to overcome because again we saw those issues early on that they were able to come back you know this time but in another in other games against more talented teams that may not be the case yeah and, and as we mentioned earlier huge test this thursday night already uh in the, in the baltimore ravens and um you know it's a team that the Bengals have fared well against recently but it's still a going to be a tough game and again we talked about, and, and this is something we'll talk about in a little bit about the the Ravens. When we talk just a tiny bit, you and I about the Ravens game, um, the primetime thing. You know, at some at some point, you, you got it. You got to be able to get past it. You, you yeah. got to be able to win those games against those good teams and uh, not clench up. That's why I think, you know, that's why I think a good performance and and potentially a win this Thursday will go a long way in uh, kind of seeing how the Bengals season will go in 2018. But um, I, I want to talk a little bit about 
and, and this will be part of our Colts recap, uh, the, the John Sharon Weekly Lineman. By the way, if you haven't if you haven't seen this on CincyJungle.com, it's a great post that John does every week. Uh, at least every week there's a game. Um, and he actually has got some fancy new graphics on the uh, on the post there. I don't know. I don't know who is in charge of doing that. Shout but out to Rebecca Tobak. Yeah, this is fancy schmancy. So thank yeah, Rebecca's come up. By the way, Rebecca has come up clutch for this show as well. She helped uh, introduce us to Willie Anderson to get that interview going. So uh, props to her. But anyway, if you haven't watched a really cool thing from from John here, I want to talk about. And, and it's based, obviously, about the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman. And I, what I like about this is this is such a an X's and O's thing. But the what I was saying is uh, what, what's kind of cool is this is this is something that um, you really do so, uh, quite a bit of research in and a lot of film study in based on some of the guys. It's the trench work. It's stuff that gets overlooked. It's stuff that gets bypassed in terms of uh, you know. Uh, what the casual NFL fan or a casual fan of a team sometimes doesn't see. And I guess where I want to start is the, the let's start with the defensive line. Okay. I thought Geno Atkins played very well against a, a guard that is going to probably be a very, very good player for a long time. in Quentin Nelson, probably the best player in, in the 2018 draft, to be honest with you, in terms of solid, ready to play right now, all that and long-term viability. I thought he played pretty well against Quentin Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and vice versa. I mean, they 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 kind of had a little bit of a battle, but uh, I I think Gino had had a couple of nice plays. Carlos Dunlap also had a a bunch of nice plays, albeit one on a uh, really phantom penalty call. Um, why don't you talk about those two guys and maybe what you saw out of them and your thoughts on and maybe not an expletive laced rant on the on the penalty. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot what we've seen in years past with Gino and Dunlap kind of, kind of carrying the, the defensive line in terms of generating pressure. Um, Dunlap had a great matchup off the right edge against, uh, I believe it was Jamarcus Webb at right tackle. And obviously that's, a, that's favorable to Dunlap and he got, he got around him off the edge in his typical, in his typical finesse approach. And, um, yeah, I mean the, the one, you know, late hit on on Lux knee it was it, it's whatever it's just it's just the nature of of the game now with especially with luck coming back from injury but don't that play well um obviously he did end up getting the legal sack after that um that landing on the quarterback with a full weight and stuff but Gino and when Nelson was very intriguing because it was just a case of like the tape that Nelson had wasn't bad it was just Gino is on a whole nother level than 99% of defensive tackles are in the NFL. And it's just a matter of Nelson being 22 and him going up against, you know, college three techniques and, you know, destroying them in pass protection and Gino being 30 years old and being, you know, the beast of a man he is. And you just saw that difference of NFL strength, you know, you know, welcome to the NFL, Quinn Nelson. You know, it, right. it, it was it was not anything bad that Nelson really did. It was just he, he, he how was good never, Gino is, right? It, yeah, he's just never faced anything like that before. So he held his own. He can he can hold his head high because you know Gino only ended up getting like one real sack, but it was just Gino being Gino, and I'm so glad that he's locked up. Yeah, yeah, and and you know it's we talked about hey. Uh, <laughs> I kind of feel foolish about it now, but a couple episodes ago, you know, we're talking about, Hey, are these guys worth their contracts? Or <laughs> and all of a sudden they come out and just explode in week one uh, on the flip side, you know, this, 
Bengals defensive front has uh, often been vaunted for its uh, and praised for its depth. And rightfully so. There's a lot of talent there. Carl Lawson had a breakout year last year. Jordan Willis seems to be a guy who is uh, very talented. Um, then they drafted and added Sam Hubbard up front. You know, Ryan Glasgow is kind of a defensive tackle they can get in the backfield. Um, but a lot of those, I mean, Glasgow had a couple of nice plays. Willis had a pressure, I believe, and a, and a quarterback hit. But really, really quiet day from the, the rest of those guys. And, uh, you know, that's, not, that's definitely not going to be a weekly thing. But I was kind of concerned about it. Is it, did I miss some some bigger plays from these guys, maybe in terms of pressures and stuff like that, or were they, was it just hey, somehow they did, they got shut down? I mean, Sam Hubbard was the guy who was I think in a fullback when Mixon mm-hmm. had his touchdown, so cool. But <laughs> I I it was like it, I think if Bengals fans look back in the game and they think of like you know how the Colts offense looked, it was like the first play, the first you know kind of play that comes to mind is just like luck you know, kind of evading in the pocket and throwing over the middle. And that's bas- that was basically the theme of the Colts offense the whole entire game it was luck, um, extending time on his own, you know, move- maneuvering around in the pocket and finding a way to get the ball out. And part of that was because the Bengals defensive line was winning most of their one-on-ones. It was just they're facing a very you know, mobile quarterback who's able to extend time there. And unfortunately, you know, this time the Bengals defense line, like Lawson and Johnson and Willis, they didn't end up finishing their pressures and stuff. And so it looks bad um, on the, on the box score, but on the film kind of tells a different story, but regardless the, you know, those guys definitely just definitely need to step up and, you know, going, going forward. And I think against a quarterback like Flacco, who's not the tip, you know, the mobile guy like luck, they might have better, a better chance at that. But I think with, with Hubbard, like Terrell Austin said, like he wanted to get him in the game more because they only put like seven snaps on defense, but and it, it, they, he wanted to get in the game more because, you know, guys were tiring out. But, yeah, like, that was the whole thing. Like, the defense was out there for 82 snaps, and Hubbard only gets on seven. It, it was kind of kind of weird to me how he, he didn't end up getting the rotation to, like, the final series of the, of the defense. And that's that's going to be key because Glasgow was the only other active defensive tackle behind um, Gino and Billings, and he ended up playing both those tackle and three techniques. So definitely, definitely want to see Hubbard get more snaps inside to rotate in with Johnson at defensive tackle and defensive end going forward. Yeah. I, I, you know, again, I saw them and wisely. So they kicked Johnson inside. Um, I think, I think that's a role that, yeah, you know, maybe first down, what, what have you, he can contribute against the run and then uh, nickel situations, you bring him in again on the interior and he could be an effective player. We saw that happen uh, on a few occasions last year. Um, I guess, oh boy, offensive line. Um, what I, I saw, there are so many charts and things that I've seen, um, and I have quoted them on some of the posts I put up, the, the analysis posts on CC Jungle. Um, the left side of the line, I thought, played pretty outstanding. Mm. Um, Billy Price up and down. Um, and the right side of the line, now I, I did see some nice pulls from Alex Redmond, Billy Price. I saw them get out in space and make some nice blocks to spring Joe Mixon on, on some of those plays, which is great because last year that wasn't the case. Um, first play of the game, Billy Price uh, looks to get bowled over to cause that terrible interception by Dalton. If you see, if you follow Dan Horde on tw- on Twitter. He posted a video, I believe it was on Wednesday, talking, showing that he may have, as he was absorbing the block, tripped over Clint Bowling's foot. Regardless, not a good look. Um, but 
I thought he played better than Bodine mostly ever did for the for the team. Um, I don't know your your thoughts about the the play up front. I thought Glenn was very good. I thought Bowling is his usual self. I think he had a penalty though, which was kind of he had a false start, which was a bummer. But um, they were, if you look at the chart of how they were running in yards per carry average, to the left was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So your thoughts on that? I think your assessment is spot on with what we're going to see going forward, just because it's hard for these guys to really change who they are. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about Bobby Hart. Um, it's it's <laughs> hard. It's hard. It's hard to allow Marcus Hunt two sacks in the game, but Hart um, made made light work of that and gave him a career game with that. Um, I think what we saw is going to be kind of how they're going to operate with this going forward. And that's, you know, doing things normally when running to the left, but when running to the le- to the right, I think they're going to prioritize getting both Price and Redmond out in space because I don't think they can just run simple outside zone to the right without exposing Redmond and, and Hart specifically and also Price for getting breach blocks on those noses. I think you know, power schemes with Price and Redmond and zone on the left is going to be kind of the, the, the thesis going forward with the running game. I mean, it definitely worked against the Colts, but you know, the Colts don't have exactly a great run defense, and we'll see you know, how good they are against the Ravens, who are much more formidable and much more experienced facing that unit. Pass protection-wise, you know, what, what, what we saw is prior, probably what we're going to get, and that was Dalton getting the ball out really quickly on most of those plays. But another problem with, you know, in the past, in pass protection, was that receivers weren't getting separation early in the routes, and that forced Dalton to hold onto the ball a little bit longer than he should, and production doesn't hold up for more than three seconds with you know bad offensive line and, and sacks and pressures are allowed. But now we have receivers and John Ross and Tyler Boyd and obviously Green and Eifert who are getting open quicker and plays are developing much faster and protection doesn't um, – it, it, they aren't exposed to the level that they were in the past couple of years. But they're still you know getting you know the ball out in these quick slants and screens and RPOs, and that's obviously going to help the offensive line get, in, get into a rhythm and not allowing any of these pressures. But – what we saw talent-wise and how they looked is probably how we're going to see them for the rest of the year unless they make some crazy acquisition out of the blue. Yeah, you know, and I I felt like I was being pretty hard on Andy Dalton, which I guess is easy to come by. Um, you look at his stats, 75% completion percentage, 243 yards, two touchdowns, the one terrible interception, and 109.7 rating on the road. I mean, this isn't. I mean, I, this has a little bit to do with alignment, but I mean, are you at least encouraged by that and what you saw in terms of protection schemes and his ability to hit? So many he hit. It was only, he hit th- he hit three tight ends as well. It was mm-hmm. only Croft, uh, Tyler Eifert. It was great to see Tyler Eifert uh, make some make some catches, take some hits, and get right back up. Uh, John Ross, one catch, one touchdown, already surpassing his. Uh, Rookie totals in both of those categories. Uh, <laughs> AJ Green, not a great day in terms of ball security, but made an incredible catch uh, in the end zone for a touchdown, as well as some others across the middle and whatnot. Um, are you encouraged by schemes drawn up and how some of these guys at the skill positions performed based on that? I think Bill Lazor made a statement, and that was, you know, the, the game, the opening script was amazing with the offense. Unfortunately, it didn't last throughout the first half because of a couple turnovers. But I think he's doing a great job of getting these guys, you know, using their strengths. Um, they, they had Eifert running a wheel route out of the fullback uh, play action, which was incredible to see. Um, they, they used Green and 
Green and Boyd very well out of slot and out of the X, respectively. Um, and I, I obviously Mixon did wonders with what they gave him on the ground. Um, with Dalton specifically, I think his his completion percentage was a little bit skewed. I don't think he was as accurate down the stretch as he was. I think there were a couple plays where Green and Mixon with those one hand catch kind of kind of bailed him out in a couple yeah, scenarios. Yeah. But I, but I, I think that's it. They're, they're so talented at receiver and running back and tight end that it might not matter. They have guys who have insane catch radiuses and insane separation skills that Dalton doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers type precision level of accuracy in order to get, what was it like, like 75, 72 completion percentage going forward. But this is kind of who Andy Dalton is. He's not precise, but he'll get it in, in the area. And as long as he has the talent ar- around him that can make those incredible catches, then it should be fine going forward. Yeah, and a nice comeback win for him. Uh, you know that he, he didn't start off the game well, as we mentioned, but uh, and then other guys didn't do him any favors. Uh, but you know they put it together, they won. So um, you, you got to like that overall grade. If you had to grade the Bengals' defensive line and uh, and their play and the offensive line and that the group's play. Hmm. Uh, I would go. B minus for defensive line because they shut down a non-existent running game and they did better than I think the box score would indicate in terms of pass rushing offensive line. I would go C average. Um, I think for the most part, they kept on clean. They had like a handful of obvious mishaps and pressures and whatnot, but run blocking was, was good. And I think Mixon's, I, I, I think Mixon losing 10 pounds over the offseason really made a difference. He seemed much more nimble and maybe, maybe made some, some run blocking look a little better than what it was, but I would go, I'll go C, C minus for the Bengals offensive line. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, I think, I think most fans could agree with that. And I think if that, if the Bengals can up that offensive line to a B minus C plus area throughout most of the season, I think, I think this team will be okay. Um, you got, we got to, you got to understand there are four new starters on this offensive line. So things right. aren't, Regardless of what you th- may think about talent level on the right side or what have you, um, number one, very few teams employ you know first round picks at every you know at every single offensive line position, um, and you know this it's a it's a unit that needs to build cohesion and whatnot. And you know again, like I said, four new starters, and uh, we'll see. Do you? Do you think that the Bengals get an itchy trigger finger if things aren't looking well on the right side this week in terms of right tackle, maybe Jake Fisher, um, maybe Trey Hopkins? I don't know. Do, do you think that happens, or do you think they're going to just say, hey, let's stick with what we've got, let's try and build that cohesion? I, I, I don't know because uh, I'm Frank Pollock didn't really have to go through this in Dallas, so I'm not sure if there's a precedent with him. Um, because he's there, like, you know, like we, we saw last year, like they, they did that with Paul Alexander, but he's not here anymore. So we just don't really know if this, the staff is going to have, have that, but we saw last year, you know, Zampezi didn't score a touchdown in two games. He was out. So if, if Bobby Hart plays as bad as he did against a much better Ravens pass rush, you know, with, with, with a longer rest and more time to prepare for the Panthers in week three, we could see Jake Fisher or Cedric way at right tackle week three. If, Hard doesn't improve, and I guess I guess that is a possibility. I just I can't say with any conviction that it's likely under an offense an offensive line coach that we just don't have a lot of exposure to. Yeah, 
Well, good stuff as always, John. Uh, good good stuff on the weekly linemen. Uh, it's on cincyjungle.com, and it is uh, we're, we're going to make this try and make this a, a regular part of our program as well because I think it's uh, very worthwhile. And um, you, you do a lot of in depth analysis, and, and it's stuff that those are those are two position groups, even though they're not the sexiest position groups. Those are two position groups that a lot of Bengals fans are watching uh, this this year for a variety of reasons, both because of talent and because of new faces and and all of that stuff. So um, good stuff from you. I appreciate it. We're going to open up the phone line in just uh, like give us two or three minutes, guys, um, and we will we will open up. You can also you can send in a text now for sure. Uh, but if you're going to call in, give us like two minutes, 949-542-6241. If you're joining us live is the, is the text line and the phone line. Um, you can, you can call us or, uh, or shoot us a text. Um, we're also available on Twitter at Bengals OBI. And, uh, we have the live comment stream on cincyjungle.com. So we appreciate it. Or if you just, if you don't feel like calling or texting, you can leave your questions in the live YouTube chat. Um, so, so do that. And, if you are a, list, a listener after the fact, um, you can join us live every week via YouTube and or CincyJungle.com. Uh, you, can, you can check us out there. Uh, as always, you can download the program on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, CincyJungle.com, the Google Play app, Stitcher, and uh, you, can, you can also get it on Art19, I believe now. So uh, check that out. That's, that's one of our new platforms. Um, that's been adopted under the SB Nation network. So check that out. Um, again, we'll be taking calls and we're taking texts. We'll be taking calls as well in just a couple minutes. 949-542-6241 um, is the number to call. So let's talk before we get to some of these listener questions, John. Let's talk a little bit about um, this game coming up against the Ravens. Um I struggle with where to begin in terms of what to talk about with this game, especially since we had some great insight from Bill Lericos earlier, um, or Lericos, I believe it was. Um, I guess, again, we'll go macro and bring it down a little bit. How important, it's an early game, it's a division, early game in the season, in the schedule. Um, it's against a division foe, uh, a team that is also 1-0, but how important is it for this team, for the Bengals to win this game? Is it, are people going to be like, ah, now I'm, now I'm out. Now I'm, you know, now I'm, I'm off the bandwagon or, you know, is this just, Hey, still early, a young team that'll progress as the season goes on. I, I don't know. I, I think fans have to keep a conservative approach either way because two and O is great. And it typically like, you know, it's not a guarantee for the playoffs, but significantly more increases your chances than if you're 0-2 or 1-1. And, and that's just like something that we've seen in the past 10 years. But yeah, it's a division game. It's at night. It's not technically primetime because it's on NFL Network, but whatever. It, 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 it's a primetime game for, for all we're concerned about. And it's against a team that has, you know, nine months ago, we knocked them out of the playoffs. And they're definitely going to have that mentality like you know this team wronged us and we're, we're trying to we're trying to even the score so i think all those factors in there it is an important game for just the culture of the team and you know the message that they were trying to convey this entire offseason this is one of their first tests to see okay are they legit because it is a short week it's it's a home opener they got the super bowl um they got the super bowl team all there you know pregame and 
You know, we saw an embarrassment in this exact week uh, last year against a rookie quarterback in Deshaun Watson. Now we have a quarterback who the Bengals typically do well against and a quarterback who doesn't do well against this defense. It's a game that talent-wise, again, I think they're more talented than the Ravens, but this is a division game and, you know, the Bengals offense doesn't, or Dalton in, in particular in recent years doesn't do well against divisional opponents. All those factors combined, I think if they win, it's great, but you know, you shouldn't put your bets into the Super Bowl, you know, depending on how they win. If they lose, then it's it's just a, it's just coming off a short week against a, a division opponent who, you know, a, a maybe has more to play for in terms of, you know, them missing the playoffs because of us last year. So I, I think people just have to just, you know, take a step back afterwards and just not go, you know, all the way on each side, depending on what happens. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, um, the, the last time these two faced off on primetime was the first week of the 2012 season. Very, very bad result. Granted it was in Baltimore, but very, very bad result for the Bengals. I think the end score was 44 to 13. They got absolutely shellacked uh, on primetime. But since um, Bengals are eight and three, and uh, it's one of those things where Marvin Lewis he's he's done well against the Browns, who hasn't? Um, he <laughs> and and he's done well against the Ravens. He has not done well against Pittsburgh at all. Um, but he has he has found a formula that you know before his arrival, the Bengals were awful against Baltimore as well when he was defensive coordinator. So. Um, you know, he's found a formula to, to have, have a winning, winning, uh, equation against the team. Uh, do you, do you buy into that? Yeah, I think I do. And I, I don't think it's specifically because he's coached there before. I think it's just some of the, um, specifically on, on the defensive side of the ball. I think the Ravens have never been that good at scoring and, and then with, with Flacco at the helm. And obviously he's had receiver troubles in the past and whatnot, but now they have new receivers and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we'll see a different Ravens offense facing off against the Bengals. And, you know, maybe, maybe with those new factors in, we see something different from them, but, you know, typically history kind of prevails when we're talking about the Bengals and it'll, it'll, it'll just be a, it'll just be a test. This, this is the game that they should win. This is a team that they're more talented than. And I think that, you know, the, the, their success should continue. It's just a matter of, okay, are they actually going to do it? Then? Yep. And the primetime thing is a, a pretty big deal. We've got a call on the line, uh, John, as we're talking a little bit about the Ravens game. Um, it's, it's Terrell. Uh, I believe he's called into the show before Terrell. How are you, sir? How are you doing? Uh, both of y'all, uh, glad to see both of y'all. Yeah. It's good to be seen, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, man, it's just, and then you start in two rookies and first game, and I just feel like he's he putting the best players out there. I mean, I know we all want to Western Rendo, but he's putting the best players out there, though. 
Yeah, good good stuff, Terrell. I'm going to let John answer your question and take it off the air. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, so I think with Marvin coming back, I guess people maybe have thought that um, maybe he's gotten more power and more influence in the organization. And with that, it's kind of been an inverse effect, whereas we're seeing more influence from maybe more the positional coaches and the offensive coordinators kind of taking over their schemes and their their views on how the how the you know the team should be operated with and whatnot. And I think we kind of saw that in week one. We saw Bill Lazor's offense completely, you know, his completely new scheme, you know, take fold of 27 points. We saw Taras and have not as much success, but still some positive signs from a talented personnel. Uh, Frank Pollock's influence on the offensive line was clearly seen with, you know, what he's gotten out of new additions and whatnot. So, yeah, I think there was some, you know, tangible differences just from week one, what we saw from Marvin. But again, it is week one and he's been here for 16 years. And typically I like to take the history over just, you know, just this past game. But regardless, you know, maybe we're seeing that change and week one was a good start. Yeah. And if, if you listen to our interview with Anthony Munoz, um, he was very high on the Bengals assistant coaches. Um, he, he was a, he was a guy who um, was really adamant about the, the hires that Ter- Terrell Austin and all of that he thought was, were great hires and would help Marvin Lewis out immensely. So great points by, by Terrell there. I believe we have a good, good old friend uh, from a long time ago on the line, uh, a, a gentleman, uh, well, maybe not so long ago, a gentleman who uh, used to call in a previous podcast I was involved with. Is it John from Kentucky? It's going well, sir. It's been too long since I've heard from you. Oh yeah. And uh, it was a pretty good podcast back then. And uh, I want to thank you for continuing the tradition, I guess I should say. You've uh, you picked it up where they left off, and uh, I'm glad to be able to call in tonight. Well, I appreciate I appreciate the compliment there. Obviously, those guys. Uh they're the true, uh, they laid the path out and, and taught me a lot about podcasting and all of that. I still keep in touch with those guys. And um, Nick Nick uh, has gone on and done uh, another soccer podcast for the FC Cincinnati, uh, FC Cincinnati team. So if you're into soccer, definitely check out that podcast. Uh, but uh, great. I'm so glad that you are still continuing to listen to, to what I do in this podcast. What can we answer for you tonight? Yeah, I, I agree with you on the on the one could debate what the adjustments were. Um, you know, it, it kind of depends, but I, definitely a different team in the second half. And I'll let I'll let John talk too. But before before we get you off the air, John, I just I just want to ask, even though it's been and I and I I, I don't normally ask the callers questions, but I want to ask you since you've been on uh, other programs of, of ours, and I've talked to you a number of times, 
Do you feel, even though it's just one game, do you feel a bit different about this team than you have over the past two years when it's been a little bit of lack, lackadaisical? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of flip your question on you before I let my co-host, uh, co-host talk about it as well because I, I thought, I mentioned, I don't know if you heard this in the program, John, I mentioned that the Bengals had four, four of their nine losses last year were by one possession, and a couple of those, I think most of them, if not all, they had big leads and they let them go. Whereas this this is this week was a lot different in the fact that they were down 13 points in the second half, came back, rallied, and like you said, maybe it was the adjustments, maybe it was an attitude thing. I don't know, but do, are you feeling better about this team than you did in 2016, 2017, just based off of this one game? Yeah, yes, I am. I have uh, been watching the Bengals for quite a long time. And Marvin Lewis has been here 15 years. And Lewis, you know, he'll have a bad year, maybe two. But then he normally rebounds. Yeah. And uh, the team tends to get a winning season, and they tend to get in the playoffs. And I, I see, I sense that happening this year. The team looks pretty good. Now, I know some people are arguing that uh, this one guy, what's in the heart of the offensive line, is pretty bad. He did get beat by Marcus Hunt. So, look, I don't know if Hart is that bad or Marcus Hunt has just improved his game. I, I mean, it's hard to say. The first game of the season, that's hard to say. Uh, maybe a little of both. Probably. So, um, but yeah, I'm feeling better about the team this season than I uh, was last season for sure. And uh, I'll jump way ahead here. All I can ask from the team is something that they have been able to do in the past, and that is... Um, have their first playoff game in Paul Brown Stadium, and I wanted to be against Pittsburgh. (laughs) Well, for some reason, the only time the Bengals have played good in the playoffs was the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh, because they really got tired of being smacked around. And that playoff game, what, three years ago, was the best game of the entire playoff season that year. It was better than the Super Bowl. Yeah. It was the game to watch. Yeah, it was, and and for a variety of reasons, uh, both positive and negative. John, I'm going to let my co-host, John Sheeran, uh, talk a little bit about your question as well. Thanks so much for, for calling in, John. Great to hear from you. Everything going well? Everything's going great, man. I'll try to call in the next podcast, and good luck tomorrow night, and who day? All right, thanks, buddy. It's John from Kentucky, long-time, uh, long-time connection in my podcast history. Very cool stuff. Uh, quite honestly, I think I've spoken with John or, or heard from him for about the past four or five years. So I'm uh, pretty, pretty cool. And he's an awesome guy. He sometimes, uh, I don't know if he still does it, but he's, he's a trucker and, uh, listens to the, you know, he does the, the late night stuff. And, uh, anyway, listens to the podcast. So your thoughts on what he had to say about second half adjustments and all of that, John. Um, I, again, it's because it's kind of a similar question to Terrell kind of give a similar answer. It's, it's, it's week one. And, you know, I, I typically like to think that, you know, Marvin Lewis is Mar- Marvin Lewis is who Marvin Lewis is. And while you know things might be a little bit different, this is still tech. He still, you know, does things a similar way. And again, like they, they don't have pro- they don't have problems beating more t- less talented teams, and the Colts are definitely that. And they, they might not have a problem being the Ravens because they're not that they're not they're not at the talent level that the Bengals are, despite you know beating the Bills by forty four. So 
again, it, it, it's hard for me to completely jump ship and drink the Kool-Aid and think that Marvin Lewis has completely changed after 15 years as the Bengals head coach. But again, it was it was good to see. And I think John is probably the only person in the world who Bengals fan in the world who would like to see the Bengals put the Steelers in the playoffs anytime soon. Yeah, and I feel bad. I should have asked him uh, how he feels about <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah. But I feel bad about. Uh, I, I really, he is a, a, an old school Bengals fan. I'd like to hear. Uh, I'd like to hear his thoughts about um, you know the Bengals getting on uh, getting their thirtieth anniversary team on the field this week. So we have one more caller here. It's Jason Von Stein. Jason, how are you, sir? Yeah, the Superling days. I like that. The Superling yeah, days. Yeah. 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 Well, what can we answer for you tonight? Uh, well, actually, I kind of just calling to talk about my dad. It's okay to change subject for a second. Sure. He's a songwriter. He's written over 5,000 songs. It's actually ironic that John just called in because I could use John Hill. Uh, so, my dad, uh, he's written all these songs for the Adventist so we can't play his music anymore. Uh, so many guitars, too much exertion okay. uh, when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, so I've been playing his music out now. I live in Atlanta. Uh, we're going to beat Atlanta in a few weeks. <laughs> uh, I live in Atlanta, and uh, he lives in Chattanooga, so I stream the shows, and I record all the shows so we can watch it. Uh, but actually, I need someone to drive trucks to one of the songs that he does called The Place That I Belong, and it's uh, a truck driver's song. And I need like a video on the road. So if you're listening, John, get in touch with me, and I can put a video together. Cool. Yeah. Connect. Connect. Maybe via the YouTube chat and all of that. Uh, and you know, obviously, we love we love promoting what our listeners and and other uh, guests do. Um, we definitely want to want to help you out. So I know I know you've contacted us a couple times about that with your dad and what you're doing, which I think is really cool. Um, any any Bengals related questions we can we can uh, answer for you before we get you off the air? My biggest question is when are we gonna have 1980s Bengals throwback jersey? Oh man. So, so, so are you talking here? That's, that's a good question. So are you talking like, like 1980 where it had like the Bengals lettering on the side of an orange helmet? Or are you talking like the, just the old school, like Boomer Sison, plain black Jersey, just a little bit, a little bit of striping on the one side. And I think I'd be with any throwback, but if we can get the, the aside of the throwback, I'm from Virginia and we didn't have a team and that's why I'm a Bengals fan. And that's the Jersey that made me a fan of the Bengals. Mm. That helmet with that jersey. Yeah. And we got these stupid white panels like down the side. It just doesn't make any sense. Preach. Preach. We should be like representing that, right? Yep. I, I agree. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about this off the air. Thanks, uh thanks Jason. If there's something we could do to promote what you and your dad are doing, uh Hit me up. Hit me up offline, uh, the obinsider at gmail dot com or on Twitter or something, and I'll see what I can do to to help promote what you're doing. Thank you very very much. Uh, while you're listening, his name is Jim Bonstein. Uh, you check out Kickstarter, the Jim Bonstein Five Thousand Song Project. The Kickstarter I made for him last year, and that ended with me being able to make a music video for him on Christmas called Streets of Chicago, which is on YouTube. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, give it. Give him our best for sure. All right, bye bye. Thank you so much for keeping doing what you do. All right, thanks, buddy. Um, really, if he, <laughs> uh, 
yeah, so check out what, what Jason is doing for his dad. Kind of cool. Um, but really, if you if you listen to what Willie Anderson said last week in our interview in terms of throwback stuff, in terms of honoring pasts, and in terms of all that stuff, I, as long as Mike Brown's there, I'm not sure that that's happening, right? No, it's not. Um, yeah. Anything anything in the past, besides, besides the operation of the team, anything honoring things that happened before Mike was here is just not going to happen. And it's a shame because every team with history around the league has at least once donned a throwback jersey. And the Bengals have literally the best throwback jerseys of all time. And we've never seen since it, they've changed in 2004. So it's a shame, but no, probably not going to happen. All right. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, hell, I thought it was kind of creative that they – did the color rush in week one. I thought that was like, what? That, that, even yeah. that was even that was risky for Mike Brown. But there's a lot of cool stuff that the team could do. Uh, Ring of Honor and all that stuff aside, we talked. And if you want to know more about that and hear some, so a little bit of insight about being a Bengal and a Bengals great, go go check out our interview last week with Willie Anderson. I thought it was pretty cool. But, um, I, you know, I, there are older uniforms they could do. You know, there's the old school bank where it had the Bengals literally written across the, the side of the orange helmet. They had uh, the 1980s deal. Uh, they could do that and, God, I mean, they could probably do that and sell sell more stuff out of the pro shop. I mean, it would probably help them. So uh, I don't know. Who knows? I don't expect it to happen anytime soon, but we'll see. Um, let's get out of here with this, John. I know we're, uh, we're running a tiny bit over. It's a text message we received, and it is um, – it's kind of, it's kind of going to go into – my, my asking you of your prediction and how, how this game's going to go on Thursday night. Um, this It's from Mixon, and I don't know if Mixon's a, a screen name or not, but it's from Mixon. Um, and it says, do you expect Andy Dalton to have a good game under the lights? Um, Baltimore Ravens, we've seen him woo, woo, woo against, against the Ravens. Uh, I will say this. He and A.J. Green have had some gigantic yep. game against mm-hmm. against this team and i i go back to i think it was at week three in 2015 the game again they were down and then they came back and there was that crazy throw he made to aj green where he broke like three tackles and that game was nuts yeah um there was a 2014 overtime game where they took it to overtime on a hail mary to aj green if you remember that one um so I expect that connection to be working and working well, but does that mean AJ, uh, Andy Dalton has a, a good overall game because he doesn't normally play play well in, in prime time? And then what do you think happens this Thursday night as the Bengals host the Ravens? I think he plays similar to how he played against Indianapolis. He's just going to be dealing with a lot more. The thing we haven't really talked about is that Dalton didn't do well under pressure against Indianapolis. He was actually one of the worst quarterbacks last week facing pressure against, you know, a subpar pass rush unit in Indianapolis. And obviously Baltimore has a lot more guys who can get after the quarterback. Dalton will be sacked more than two times like he was against Indianapolis. How he responds to that will be the determining factor of, you know, the overall flow of the offense. I think they're they're gonna try to rely on Mixon throughout the game, but like um like our like our guest Bill said, the Ravens are gonna, gonna probably stack the box to take that away from. Laser has to adjust and you know you know to just, just, just use that numbers of advantage against them and try to spread the ball out to the boundary where they don't have their best cornerback in Jimmy Smith. He's still suspended. So 
definitely buy stock in green. He's probably going to have a, a cu couple splash plays like he always does against the Ravens. I think it's going to be a very up and down, you know, performance throughout the game. But on the box score, it might look, you know, somewhat similar to Indianapolis, but maybe a little bit worse because he's going to have some problems facing pressure like he always does. Yeah, I did. I did see him. You know, like I said, I was I was hard on him last this last game. Then you look at his stat line; it's pretty dang good. Um, but I did see him bail out of some plays early. Um, yeah. I did see him get. Now, a couple of times it ended up paying off. One, I think he ran for a first down barely, and another was the broken play he made to, to Tyler Boyd uh, late in the game for a third down. And that was his best play of the game. That's something we never seen before. Stepping right, right. And he he kept his head up. He, you know, he, mm. he and and saw what was going on. So, um, you know, I, I like you said. I think I think there's going to be some frustrating moments, but I think there's going to be some wow moments. Um, ultimately, I think the Bengals maybe squeak this one out just based on recent history. I mean, I you, you, you go okay, the eight and three record since that first game in 2012 against the Ravens, or the terrible primetime record. So, you know, there's some something's got to give there. Um, I'd like to think that based on what we saw last week, this is a little bit of a different team than than in past couple of years. So, you know, maybe you know, pretty ugly. You know, 22. 22-18 or 23-20 or, um, you know, nothing that – and we all know Thursday night games, especially the very first Thursday night game, uh, can be kind of ugly. Uh, yeah. You know, there's their short rest. Again, teams are still trying to figure out who they are um, and what they want to do on both sides of the ball. So, um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's a win. Um Maybe they head to Carolina two and zero, but but we'll see. Uh, what do you think? I didn't. I don't know if I got a score or, or win loss prediction from you. Did I? No, I think like to your point, the Thursday night games are always in the early season. They're always these completely god awful, like you know, totals of less than thirty points, or they're right. like some lopsided, you know, amazing victory from one of the teams. And I think we're going to see the former in this one because they're obviously familiar with each other. And I don't think, I, I don't think that. They haven't really blown each other out in recent memory. I think these have always been like close games. And it's early in the year, short week, I think we're going to see something in the low 20s, high teens maybe. And I think the line right now is Baltimore minus one. I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Baltimore winning a one-score game just because I'm not exactly 100% sold, but the Bengals could definitely win because they're the more talented team and they just got to prove it. Yeah. I love that point you just made about – the close games. And I, I think it kind of piggybacks a little bit on what I was saying in terms of the 2014 overtime game, the wacky uh, 2015 game where, you know, the Bengals kind of had a lead and then they had to charge all the way back and all that kind of stuff. If you remember some of the games with Steve Smith, um, th there were some crazy games when Steve mm -hmm. Smith was a Raven um, that were back and forth very close. So um, this will probably be a nail biter either way. I would think, um, We'll we'll see though uh, as we go forward. Any final thoughts before? Uh, well, before we do final thoughts, let me uh, let me just reiterate that this show can be downloaded on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, CincyJungle.com, uh, Stitcher, Google Play app. Uh, did I miss anything? I don't know. But you can also get the stuff on Twitter and uh, all you know. Get in touch with us, theobinsider at gmail.com, and uh, all that good stuff. So. Uh, like I said, we're growing a little bit because we've been adopted under the officially adopted under the national SB nation, um, 
umbrella of podcasts. So we're pretty stoked on that. So uh, you should be able to get this program in a number of different areas. And we're, we're pretty excited about that. John, now final thoughts, my friend. Uh, just just real quick, um, the day after the Thursday night game, Carson Palmer of Football Life will premiere on NFL Network, the same channel as the game. I was able to, uh, fortunately, uh, I was given access to watch it from someone from NFL.com. Very informative. Definitely check it out. It, if you have a certain perspective on Carson Palmer, it might get changed because he really opens up and he's not the kind of guy who you know a- allows a lot of people into his life. So definitely check it out if you get the chance. It might open it over your eyes a little bit. I wanted to talk about that. I forgot about that. I want to talk to you about that a little bit tonight, but I also didn't want to spoil it right. for anybody. So we can talk about that next week. I think that's a good good topic. And um, for me, a, a, a Carson's kind of an odd uh, – I have an odd dichotomy in terms of emotional attachment to, to Carson because he went to a, he went to a high school that I ended up coaching at. He went to USC, which I'm a little partial to in terms of college sports um, was a Bengals quarterback and led them to, you know, some great seasons. Uh, I've actually, <laughs> I've actually attended weddings out here where he's been a guest uh, and people were wondering if I was going to confront him. <laughs> about certain things. They literally asked me that. Um, and of course I did not, but uh, you know, so I, I've got kind of a, I think most Bengals fans do a little bit of a love hate relationship with them, you know? And uh, I hope that this thing, uh, this documentary on him, I, I plan on watching it. I hope that this shines a little bit more of a light in terms of why he left, why he wanted to leave the circumstances around that he has been, both to his credit and discredit, he has been very quiet about that ever since it happened. Um, so I think a lot of fans are going, what, what the hell happened? Um, right. You know, and they kind of have some ideas. There's rumors and all that, but he's been like, ah, whatever, I moved on. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see uh, what, what that is. And I know you got a sneak preview. Th- Curtis, who was the person that sent it to you from NFL.com? Do you remember? His name was, his name was Andrew. His last name was... Andrew Howard. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. So be sure to check that out on, on Friday. I'm just, I don't want to get on a soapbox or anything like that. I just, my final thought is just that, uh, as we record this show, we are one day removed from the 17th anniversary of nine 11. Um, John, apparently you were very young. I didn't, I didn't know quite how young you were, but you, you divulged that earlier in the show. Um, you were very young. Uh, I was younger, but, uh, not as young as you. Um, just it's, it's a time of a lot of divisiveness. And and I know what's kind of cool. What's very cool about this show is we have a lot of people from outside of the country that listen to this program and download this program, which I am so stoked about. Obviously, it being an American sport and all of that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm venturing to guess without doing a demographics quiz that most of our listeners are in America and are uh, Americans. Um, very, again, I don't want to make this political or anything like that. It's just a very divisive time. People are very quick to snarl at each other about their views and all that kind of stuff. Just kind of keep in mind that you know, almost two decades ago, one of the worst things that has ever happened to this country happened. Um, and this country, even at that point, was a little bit divided. They weren't pretty stoked on that president either, but they rallied around each other and uh, some good things occurred, some healing occurred. Um, 
some other subsequent things that people may not agree <laughs> agree with occurred. But uh, you know, just very important date in in U.S. history, and uh, keep that in mind. And there's some stuff about servicemen and women in terms of cops and firefighters and all that kind of stuff. If you, if you go back and see what those folks did in New York that day uh, and, and elsewhere, um, you know, they, they stepped up big time and a lot of them sacrificed their lives and had families and all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I guess I just kind of want to say reflect on the date. Uh, it's an important one in American history and uh, you know, hopefully things in this country get, get, get a little less fractured in terms of viewpoints and, and how people are treating each other and all of that. Um, so I don't know. I just kind of wanted to keep that in mind. I was thinking about that yesterday and uh, I didn't want to be on my soapbox too much, John. I, I hope I was not, but uh, I don't know. I just, I vividly remember that day, I guess, because I was about 19 years old and uh, you know, I just vividly remember kind of pulling into college that day and all that kind of stuff. And um very, very surreal. Gosh, you, you must have been what, like five, six? I was I was five, yeah. I was with my grandpa that day. He was he was a veteran of World War Two, so it was I saw it was one of my first memories actually. Yeah, Just I'm sure I'm, him, old. Yeah. Was he uh yeah, I'm sure he's pretty emotional, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well uh, I don't want to. I don't want to end the program on a sad note. I just. I just. Football. Kind of to, yeah, I know. Seriously, I just wanted to say, um, and let's uh, let's be good to each other. You know what I mean. So, uh, with that being said, the Bengals take on the Ravens in a very important game on Thursday Night Football in Week Two. John and I think it's going to be a close one. We'll see who wins, and we'll talk about it next week on the Cincy Jungle Podcast, the Orange and Black Insider Bengals Podcast. For my co-host, John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Gazenza. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for your calls, your texts, and all of your contact with us. We'll see you next episode. Appreciate it. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, Seems smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>